Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build a Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build a Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build-A-Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. Welcome to the first episode of the Brad Levitt Podcast, where we are building entrepreneurs. I'm Brad Levitt, and today is a special one because we're diving headfirst into the exciting world of podcast rebranding in this first episode of the newly rebranded podcast. As our audience continues to expand beyond the construction world, it's become clear that this podcast needs to evolve to meet the growing needs of our listeners. Joining me is the Mastro of Messaging, a certified guide in the art of storytelling, best-selling author, and the mastermind behind our podcast, Brand Transformation, Paul Cuthie of Tributary Coaching. Strap in, folks, because today we're not just talking about podcasts, we're reshaping the way you think about the story behind your brand. The news is broken officially that we've essentially rebranded the podcast. Welcome, Paul. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. The cat's out of the bag. Cat's out, cat's out of the bag, new logo, and now Paul Cuthie's on with us. And just a little background, Paul is owner and managing director of Tributary Coaching. And um, I'll just be open from my side, you know, really how we met, just to be open. Um, I, I often get asked from, you know, people that listen, why you do the podcast, Brad, you know, and there's there's a lot of reasons why, but... At the core of it, I, I learned a lot from my guests. And what's interesting is I had Caitlin Slocum on a while back. She comes on. I was super impressed. She redesigns my website. Through her, I meet Paul. Paul works with me on the story and the branding of the entire website. And again, you know, something that I've been planning for a while is the podcast. And uh, it didn't take me very long to say, Paul, let's get going. Let's Let's do some more work together. That's perfect. It's a perfect intro and a perfect testament to the power of story because how I got to meet Caitlin was through the experience of working with a shared client. And after working their website, she decided she needed to go on more podcasts to get word out about her business, about her web development firm. And so we did a great strategic session together where we really outlined her story and what she wanted to present as a message on those podcasts. And by government, if it didn't work, here you are. <laughs> so hold on. So let me understand this. So history, as we tie all this together, you were actually coaching or working with Caitlin then? Originally, yes. Um, so we had a shared client. She was developing the website. I was brought on to do the web messaging and brand development for that shared client. And in that process, seeing what we went and did together, she decided that's exactly what she needed before she went on a run of really you know, putting yourself out there, both in social, but also specifically around podcasts. And you can get yourself on a podcast, but what are you supposed to say that's actually going to inspire action? That's incredible. And so just to break this down for those listening, essentially, the, and this is how my relationship was. So I think for those understanding, what was really unique. So when I did my website the first time, it, it was not this way. And, and the second time was a totally different experience. And essentially what happened was, is Caitlin you know, worked with me and there's, you know, questionnaire. And of course we, we really tried to understand a lot of direction of what I wanted. So she's building essentially the frame. And then she said, Brad, I bring Paul in because Paul's really going to help with the messaging and the content and the downloadable brochure brochure that I love. That's on the website, of course, mm -hmm. that you built. Um, and, and so I worked with you, Paul, just as far as, as essentially the storytelling of it, right. Being the guide. And, you know, a lot of people that are marketing understand that methodology to some extent, but essentially you worked with me really on the core of the website. Then she branded it and put it together. And, and essentially that's the relationship between the two, at least that I had from the website. Absolutely. Yep. Collaboration is so important. And often people will rush to build a website or make a video or uh, get out another piece of marketing collateral and companies waste hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars on campaigns without getting that core message right. And it's, it's sort of just amplifying noise. 
the marketing collateral is an amplifier and we really need to have that core piece in there and it can be applied universally because of how universal story really is. So when you think about core messaging and you're really good at this, Paul, I will admit, like for those listening, especially as you're trying to think about the branding of the company, um, where did that start? I mean, a little bit of history of how you got into the role that you're in. Sure. Well, it's a, a little bit of a unique background. I came to this whole work as uh, from the perspective of a coach. And I approach all of the core messaging marketing work that I do from that perspective of a business coach. And what really brought me to business coaching was my work around brands and my previous uh, professional athletic career. So I came to this business world as a pro athlete in the kayaking world. So producing and creating content for uh, web, video, uh, articles, everything I can do to put brands that I was sponsored by into the limelight and in front of as many people as possible. I mean, that keeps sending free kayaks if you can get them out in front of a lot of people. So that was the, that was how I got started in the main goal. And what I saw is a lot of what I'll respectfully call uh, kayak porn out there. It basically plotless, uh, action-packed videos of kayakers doing amazing things, but with very little context, very little heart behind what's the story, what, you know, what goes through their mind uh, before these waterfalls, how are we approaching that? And the, the projects that I always loved being a part of were those that really dove into the human side and also the sort of the, the, the psychology and the story behind all of those things. So as I honed my skills at uh, promoting brands and really refining my techniques as a, as a business coach after my athletic career, bringing those worlds together uh, is really where my, uh, where my passion and I think real power comes from. Because I, I basically teach people to wield the most powerful force known to mankind to affect human behavior. And that story. And we talk about story a lot. And there's a lot of folks that say, yeah, yeah, tell a story. But how we're positioning ourselves in that story, how we put the brand in that story in relation to the client or the audience is everything. And taking some of these ancient concepts and frameworks and applying them to what we do today has immense power for good and evil. It's a, it's a tool. So spreading the message here and having your listeners hear it, uh, hopefully there's many people doing good out there in the world with this stuff as possible. But that's what we're going to teach you today, how to wield that power. How, how difficult is it when you think about you know, wielding that power for you as you're working as a coach and you're coaching myself or any client that you have, yeah. you know, to understand, essentially try to diagnose and understand kind of their product, their specialty, their industry, hmm. and then how they're broadcasting that, you know, how difficult is that depending on the industry, depending on the client, uh, are there similarities, you know, are there common things that, you know, themes that you can pull between kayaking or construction, for example? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and the river is beautiful because it offers endless analogies for uh, for life and for business. But um, no, I think that there is a um, a real commonality and fundamental nature of this because before we had written communication, I mean, people learned everything that we knew through passing stories, and 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 the psychology around that is is is, is profound. And so if we can really harness those things and skillfully use that tool, we're really, really honing something that gets in underneath all the noise. And something I think we all agree is there's a ton of noise out there. People are not going to burn a ton of calories to understand your message. You maybe have them for a moment. Um, what can you say that's going to connect directly to something that's going to help them survive and thrive? You know, a lot of the work that I have studied and, and have become a story brand certified guide is under the, the work of Dr. J.J. Peterson and Donald Miller. And they talk about how really, you know, we're, we're, we're all just trying to survive and thrive. And so as soon as we start relaying a message, whether that's a piece of marketing collateral, a corporate speech, an email to your team, a, a podcast uh, intro, it's all about what about this is going to help me solve a problem that's going to directly link to surviving or thriving as a human being. And can I get that across with so much clarity, you have to burn almost zero calories to understand it, meaning you have to think very little, it just hits it instantly. And how does that change, you know, when you look at a company, if they really understand the survive and th thrive, and we understand that the, you know, the end customer, the, the end clientele for all of us, of course, attention span is a lot less for everybody. We're all yep. busier than ever um, with so many distractions and iPhones and social media and everything else. You're trying to capture that quickly. Um, what, what's the separator for companies to do a really good job 
to capture that attention, to deliver that story quickly mm. as you, as you give the analogy of burning like zero calories. Absolutely. So really what I spoke about, uh, in terms of positioning. So if you frame this story around your role in the story being the hero, then what you're going to end up doing is displacing your client. So here's what I mean. When we wake up at the beginning of the day, we are at the center of our own story. We are the hero of that story, right? And you can hear the soundtrack playing. Hopefully it's a good one. And you kind of wake up and you move through your day as the center of the scene in this, in this movie, right? So if you're the hero of the story already and you meet another hero, what happens when two heroes meet in a story? Right. They they, they're going to collide. They're going to conflict. They're, they're, that or they're going to go their total own separate route. But if you want to be a part of your client's story, if you want to be doing business with them, you're going to find another way to position yourself in that story. You have, you have four choices when it comes to main characters. Hero, victim, villain, and guide. You can be the hero. You can be the victim. You can be the villain and the guy. And the truth is we're all a bit of a, all of them. But where do you emerge? How do you really show up most prominently? And if you show up as the hero in this story with your client, you're going to displace them into one of the other three characters. They're not the guide, right? You're, you're supposed to be helping them. So that leaves what victim or villain. I don't think you want to make one of those uh, your client either. So, so you really will need to figure out how do you show up in that guide position? Storytellers, I mean, this is, goes back to the time of Aristotle and before, they've always had this other character that they introduce into the story that helps the hero win the day. They're, the, they're that, that sage advisor. They're that Obi-Wan, if you will, or that, uh, you know, so they're, they're that one that is along for the ride, but really helps the journey win the day. And if you show up as the hero, you're really trying to show up as really the second weakest character in the whole story. And so by positioning yourself as that guide, that's what's going to grab their attention because we are naturally looking for a guide when we're moving through the story as the hero character in our day. We admire heroes. We honor them. Um, but we, when we're looking for a leader, we often will gravitate towards that guide figure. It's, it's interesting because as you break this down, you know, you think about this. I mean, it, I don't want to say it's common sense because it's not. I mean, a lot of us, I would say, having no understanding, let's say, of, of building a storyline of branding as a company, you know, not having the acumen that you have, Paul, you would think, yeah, as a business, I need to be the hero, right? I save the day. The, yeah. Save the day. Like, this is why you're hiring us. This is what we do. Like, you know, of course we're not going to be the villain, right? You were trying to avoid to be the villain by the yeah. end of the construction project. That's the idea. Um, or, you know, or the victim, you know, you definitely don't want to be the victim. Um, as you're working with brands, do you have to, how, how, how difficult is it for you as you're working with your clients to say, you're the guide, you're not the hero. And then essentially identifying that story and maybe that branding strategy with them. It, it can be a real challenge. There can be some really ingrained mindset um, around this stuff. So for example, in a, in a construction company, a company might come on to say on a video or on their website, you should hire us because we're the best we have. Yeah. <laughs> we've been around since 1975 or whatever. And we've, we've built more houses than anybody in the area, but I, they only care about their house. They care about the one that's going to help them win the day. And for whatever reason that is. And so when we start talking about how to um, show up for the client, if we're talking features and benefits and past accolades and we want best places to work and all that sort of stuff, that's not really connecting to what the audience needs for surviving and thriving. And so what, what we can do instead is really speak to that customer's problem and really knowing what that is on an intimate level, not just that they, they need a house or they need a new space. We, we know that it's sort of an exterior level of problem. We need to get into the, the interior and sort of philosophical levels of problem as well. That's sort of the emotional layer is that interior problem. How, how's that hero feeling about having that problem of needing that, that new house? And then philosophical, what is just plain wrong? It's the good and versus evil in the universe, right? What is just plain wrong about them having to experience this problem? And if you can show up in their story and help them and help figure out how to solve all three of those layers of problem, by doing business with you, you not only have a new customer, you have a new, you know, what they call raving fan. You have a new uh, uh, sort of best friend out there in the world telling everybody what a great job that you did. 
It's incredible. And so as you're thinking, as, as you're working with brands and maybe for anyone listening, is they're identifying maybe their own, um, position as a guide in their company or industry. Yeah. Uh, how important is it for you to identify maybe pain points of the customer? How does that play a role to understand, okay, let's lay out and itemize the issues the industry has or yeah. a potential client would have, and that's going to help us more answer the story, you know, and how we're going to essentially broadcast the guide portion. That's a great question. And we'll, we'll use this example uh, for the podcast here, right? We needed to go in and figure out, well, the listeners of the AFT Construction Podcast, what problems are they experiencing? What are the other uh, sort of folks that are showing up in this audience that are looking for guidance and looking for uh, a path forward? And by really understanding who it was in that audience and what it is that they were showing up with the problems that you're able to solve. We are able to really hone in on that message for, for that person. And so uh, I think it's one of the first things we did, Brad, right? I, I pulled you in and we had a little meeting where I, I peppered you with questions, questions that I, some of them I already knew the answer to. I wanted to hear it from your voice. Some of it is questions that uh, maybe you wouldn't necessarily expect for a podcast rebrand. Um, some of it was really looking at strategically, what, what problem does this podcast solve for you as, as a, as a podcast host and, and producer? And then what is this going to solve for the client? That shared benefit is, is, is where the magic really is. And so it, it really takes the time and the effort uh, and, and that you put forth and that we did together to really answer those tough questions and really look at the reviews of the past podcast. What do podcasts, what do people love about it? What do uh, people keep showing up wanting more of and really listening to that audience and listening to what it is that they want. And if that's uh, even broader experience and even more uh, of the nuts and bolts behind business generally, as it pertains to both construction and the broader world, then, then so be it. Yeah. And I love that breakdown and application, especially for us. I mean, essentially with this podcast um, and speaking with Paul, just to be open to the audience here, you know, for the four years, the podcast has grown and, you know, we've been really fortunate, you know, part of when, part of the reason I started the podcast again, had met some interesting people, some interesting clients. A lot of my clients have been guests, which is kind of funny. Um, but even though I own a construction company. I've been always open on the podcast that we're business owners that happen to focus on our specialty. You know, mine's construction. But at the core, you know, a lot of my guests, such as yourself, Paul, you're not a contractor, but you bring so much information to the listener who's an entrepreneur. And every listener of the podcast is an entrepreneur. Yeah, maybe a lot of them are in construction or architecture design, but at the core, all my guests that I bring on are specialists, you know, professional athletes or marketing or website design or, you know, some related to construction and building science and all the different applications. And I felt that, you know, when I reached out to Paul, just being open, I'm like, Hey, the AFT construction podcast, you know, there's some brand identity there with our construction company here in Scottsdale. Um, but again, I didn't want to limit it to just construction as part of it. I didn't want to limit it to just, um, the company. I didn't want to limit it to just maybe Phoenix or Scottsdale where we're based. You know, I felt that there had to be a brand that was a little bit farther reaching, especially for the entrepreneurship listeners. And that's why Paul bring Paul on. And I'm like, this is perfect for the launch. Cause let's speak about, you know, just how you diagnose that and kind of your journey working with me through that. Absolutely. And I, I love that you are uh, transparent and, and willing and vulnerable enough to bring your audience along on that, on that journey with you. And I think that speaks to sort of the kind of leader that you are and sort of, we talked about that philosophical level of, of problem. And I think it would just be plain wrong or just a shame to have the kind of knowledge guests that you bring on the, the insights that you bring um, to, to just that realm and just in that construction space, because what you're doing and what you bring to it uh, is going to be universally applicable across industries so that everybody can be doing business in a way that's, that's more productive, more profitable for them and just better for the greater community as a whole. So um, well done on, on bringing folks along on this journey and uh, appreciate being, being a little part of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful to have you on it. You and so many others, Paul, that have been so many great guests. And uh, uh, I think at times we all question our vulnerability. I did a four-year anniversary podcast a few weeks ago and uh, was pretty vulnerable on that one, shared some really personal things. But at the end of the day, I think, and I know you're the same because Paul and I spoke about this offline. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's value to being authentic. You know, right, wrong, and different mistakes I've made, who I am as a person, 
um, shortcomings I've had and still have, uh, you know, we're, I'm learning just like all of us, like every day, every guest that I bring on the show, um, they have content and inspiration and stories and examples that, uh, you know, for me, I listen, I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. Time for me to make that change, you know? And it's just, it's, it's instrumental because I've, I've realized, um, you know, today I had lunch with, um, two of my employees, essentially two of my senior directors. Mm -hmm. And I just commended them because I I've, I've seen them recently, like Adam, who's over the field, his knowledge is way more vast than I have with construction. And then Spencer, who's, you know, running a lot of our systems and operations. I sit there and I'm just like, he has an understanding of document control and blue beam and all these different systems. That's way beyond where I'm at. And, you know, we would never be successful as a company without them. And, and, you know, I just sit there and I'm like, I'm grateful to be associated with them. And I think that's really important is that none of us should ever be fearful of hiring people that are better than us or more experienced or have more to intelligent than us. Yeah. yeah, you have to. I mean, how's that been for you, Paul? You know, just understanding that I'm sure all of us have to go through that at some point of our growth. Absolutely. It's, it's part of being on that journey. And that's and some of the things that you speak to there, the vulnerability and the the challenges that come with it and your willingness to, to take the advice from a, a guest on a podcast and, and implement it. It speaks to one of the key elements that really people need to show up with. They're going to show up as the guide. And, and that's empathy and competency. You have to have both, right? So empathy and competency. So you've, you've walked that path. You know the struggles. You've actually been there. You share them on the podcast, but also you do implement them and you do get good results and you have had that level of competency that when you have them hand in hand, that's what makes a really good guide. And if you overdo it on trying to highlight all the competency, you become the hero of the story, but you need both. You need to check that box in the back of their brain. And so um, really taking that, um, that role as guide um, seriously and, and really being willing to, um, you know, have, the humility, frankly, to go and hire uh, hire somebody that knows more about the subject than you do, whatever it is that you're you're needing to find to fill in that gap. That's one of the first sort of bottlenecks or stepping stones that a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners stumble on. Is they they hire mini me's, they hire people that are just like them, but maybe just not quite as sharp. And then what you get is a bunch of uh, gaps in the business still and a really limiting factor there and that you're not going to be able to grow or expand beyond your own capabilities because you haven't hired somebody that operates outside of those. As soon as you so, hire somebody outside of your own capabilities, you're hiring to expand the capabilities of the business beyond what you could do on your own. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects so for anyone any scale any size they're the ones to call they're here local you know they have an amazing instagram make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing so if you need windows and doors give sammy and adam a call we stand behind pella we love what they do their culture their brand and especially their quality and if you want to learn more about pella windows check our show notes we'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out here's a question for you paul as as you're breaking this down and explaining this about I think what's really difficult for anyone listening, including myself, when you're, when you're a leader, you have this image or I don't want to say understanding, but maybe this conception that you have to be super sturdy, can't be vulnerable, have to know all the answers, right? Mm. And use the word empathy. And I, we'll come back to the competency part because essentially sure. that's it. Like you have to have all the answers, be competent, right? Yeah. How, how empathy, I think it's really difficult, I think, for any of us as humans. You know, I know... For me, I think it's difficult to be empathetic all the time. Um, 
you know, part of that's genetics, part of that's upbringing. I mean, there's a lot mm. of different things that factor into that. How can a leader learn to be more empathetic and have empathy um, for their personnel that work for them, for their employees, for their clients, for their vendors? I mean, mm. the list goes on, but it, it it's really tough to maybe put off the ego and then be empathetic. It is. It is a challenge. And I, I, I appreciate the, the, the element of that challenge that you highlighted in that it can be uh, sometimes outside the norm of what somebody might envision as a good leader because empathy implies maybe some uh, weakness or some, you know, having struggled as well. And of course, you know, it's what people need to see in a leader is their ability to have struggled and, and to overcome that. But I think to put it in practical terms, something that somebody can do on a day-to-day -day basis as a leader, uh, maybe before you're having that conversation with a coworker, or maybe before you send that email or try to think through what just happened in a meeting is to really put it on a, almost like a storyboard, almost like the, um, the your, your previous guests who produced videos, uh, Lynn and, and Ian talk about mm -hmm. really having um, that, that storyboard thought out and, and think about, all right, in this story, what's their three layers of problem? Like if they're the hero of the story, if you have maybe a challenging employee that you need to, to have a coaching moment with and give, provide some tough feedback, um, you know, what is, what is their story? If, if, as they are walking through their day, if they're the hero and they encountered this three levels of problem, what, what are they? And if you don't know what they are, what questions can you ask to really understand the problem before you, as a guide, create a plan and call them to action? Uh, I think a lot of leaders uh, skip that part. They go to, well, I know what needs to happen different. You need to take this action. And they try to provide a, maybe a an idea of the stakes. You know, here's, here's the positives that will happen if you do it. Here's, here's the negatives if you don't. They often will skip over or assume that first part of the brand script that we put any brand through, uh, which is, who's the hero of this story? What three levels of problem are they experiencing? And how can we better position ourselves as a guide like leader or a coach like leader in this context? And if there's missing information, if something's not making sense. We know that we're missing some information. What questions can we ask at the beginning of that interaction that'll fill in those gaps so that we can provide the right plan and provide the right coaching next steps? Even if you're going to provide the same steps, just having listened and really shown to have understand their problem on all three of those levels will create so much more uh, openness and they'll be so much more receptive to whatever feedback or um, advice you'd give them. So as you kind of pivot now from the empathy aspect that you just answered, yeah, the comp competency, um, <clears throat> how does that play a role? Especially we were just speaking about part of being any successful CEO, right? You're going to hire people that, um, th there's two parts to hiring, right? There's one where, Hey, I want to be surrounded by great people. I'm going to hire great people. They're yep. going to excel. They're going to build the brand, build the company. That's great. There's another aspect where you're like, Hey, if someone can perform and you hear different percentages, but someone that's 60 to 70% competency of like, if they can perform to 60 to 70% of what you do, Paul, or what I do, yeah. hire them, outsource that, which allows me to focus on other aspects of the company. So you have kind of those two angles, yeah. you know, how does, so how does that play with competency when you give that example along with empathy? Well, that's a good question. And I, I, I appreciate it. I, I think that uh, something that jumped out at me that you, you had in there, um, was the idea of somebody being able to do 60, 70% of what you could do, uh, and to move on and outsource that. And I, I know that one of the hardest pieces of that is accepting that it's not going to be as good as you could do it on your own, especially early on when you're starting to hire folks. Um, you have to remember that you are probably delivering at 200% of expectation to start with. And so if somebody can do it 70 or 80% as good as you, they're probably meeting or exceeding the expectation of the client and have a little bit of, of trust and faith that they will figure out how to get to hundred percent. They'll figure out how to do that as long as they actually have some of the key characteristics. And this is where the guiding principles come in as a, as a leader. Are you hiring to the key characteristics that you can't really train and by key characteristics? I mean, you know, to be a functioning part of our team, we know that you need to be an independent problem solver, a good communicator, and be customer focused. If you do those three things, you can't really get it wrong because we're going to be able to make minor corrections and, 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 and those, if we can get 
clear that those are the three guiding sort of principles, um, we can get that 60% up to the 100% in time and we can train those things or we can outsource folks to, to help make it even better. But if uh, I think what would be the best thing to have in place would be a clear set of guiding principles. Sometimes companies will call these values. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear different things, but they're often sort of nebulous, inactionable sort of things. Um, like, I don't know, like trustworthiness. Like, yeah, all right. I mean, but what if it was tell the truth? What if that was sort of everyone on our team always tells the truth? They just do. Um, sometimes sometimes it's hurt, hurts. Sometimes it's not what we want to hear, but we always tell, tell the truth. What are the guiding principles that you can keep bringing in front of the team and bringing and hiring to and bringing as a focus of the kudos or accolades you give to keep bringing people back to those guiding principles? I think that's what lets the team make decisions as though you were in the room as the owner, even though you're not able to be there as the things grow and things scale and you're not able to be in every decision. What are things that brands do wrong? Maybe just as, yeah. you know, in their messaging or, you know, in your experience, especially as you're coming in now to, to work through that revamp and that re-messaging. Yeah. Um, it, it really goes back to either not positioning themselves correctly in the story or not being clear. I, I Confusion is what kills most messaging. They're, people are going to do and what they understand the quickest that they don't follow the best leaders. They don't buy the best products. They buy the ones that they understand will solve their problem the quickest. And if you can become really clear with your messaging, then you're going to be ahead of the game. Now that means keeping in mind this is something we train a lot of, a lot of marketers on. Um, every time you offer a piece of information about your brand, it's like asking somebody to hold on to 10 pound bowling ball. You hand it to them. Shunk, there they go. They're holding on to it. And they look pretty happy. Like they got it. And they can hold on to that pretty securely for quite a while. And then you want to say something else about your brand. You want to tell them this other thing it does or this, this other great thing about it. Shunk, you just handed them a second bowling ball. Now they're looking a little stressed. Like they might tuck one under each arm. They're like, cool. Okay. I got it for a while. Now you hand that third bowling ball to them. But this time you mess up. You use like an inside industry term or something that like you have the curse of knowledge. You, you use this term so much. You understand this concept so deeply that it just falls out of your head without you even thinking. Now you've handed them this third bowling ball with a thick coating of Vaseline on it. And they are all <laughs> over the show with this thing. As soon as you hand it to them, how many of those bowling balls do you think they drop? Yeah. All of them. All of them. They're not remembering anything you just said. So a lot of brands, they will be unclear, but they'll also try to say too much. And that's where really boiling down that messaging and getting down to the core essence. One clear concept, something you can look for that's practical. If you've written a post or you've written a, a piece of messaging or an email to a client or whatever, and it's full of ands and commas, you need to start over. The ands and commas are sort of, uh, is, uh, I love uh Donald Miller's take on this. He says, ands and commas are like curse words. You want to use them <laughs> as infrequently as possible and only when absolutely necessary. <laughs> so as every comma is another bowling ball, it's one more thing you have to remember. It's one more. So just a piece of writing advice or messing adv advice is just practical right there. Try to write it, avoiding the ands and commas, make it clear and always come back to that one central controlling idea. What's that big bowling ball you want them to walk home with and actually have at the end of the day. And, and, and I'll come back to the confusion and clearness, but I think something I picked up on that you mentioned, you said, um, quickly, you said curse of knowledge. And I'm like, oh, that's curse interesting. Of knowledge. That's a, the curse of knowledge that, yeah, especially as that relates to me in contracting, you know, mm -hmm. on the day to day, we understand the business, but there's a lot of technical things that have to do with the home that essentially that can hurt us if we're too technical or if we're saying things that are confusing the customer and they don't mm -hmm. really understand the different differentiation of price or cost on certain things. And so yeah. as you mentioned things that maybe it doesn't even impact the confusion, but it could be the clarity and that curse of knowledge could be distracting to the end user or end client. Well, here's the scary part, Brad, is that most people don't know they have it. Like you have a level of eight, nine or 10 of whatever industry you're in, right? You're, you're the entrepreneur, you know, the stuff inside and out, you, it goes deep for you. And you know that the client's not there. 
And so you bring it down. So instead of an eight, nine or 10, you're at like a six. And, and that's great. And that's helpful. But what we don't realize is often the clients at like a two or three, but they're not going to share that with you. But that distance between two or three and six, that gap is the curse of knowledge. And it's, it's the space where you may say something that the client then immediately assumes, well, he said it like I'm supposed to know. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure not going to ask what that means. <laughs> I'm going to just keep smiling and nodding. And, and, and that way they won't know that I actually don't, I don't, I don't know enough to make this decision. And, and what it does is it immediately pushes that client out of position. They're no longer the hero. They're no longer empowered. They now are feeling a little bit less confident, a little bit weaker in the story. And, and so we really want to make sure and just scour this. We, we talk about the, the, grunt test jokingly sometimes. And it's the idea that say you put your website in, a, in the lap of a caveman for eight seconds and uh, you shut, close the laptop. Can that caveman sort of grunt out? What are you offering? How's it make my life better? And how do I buy? And the reason we talk about this is not because your ideal client's a caveman. It's because that's the level of time and mental commitment they're going to give to your brand in order for you that message to get across. And so that level of clarity and being able to sort of get at those key things is what we really want to focus on. Yeah, that's fascinating. Because as you think about that, the reality is if we have to make things really complex for the client, if they're confused, if they're, you know, the, there could be a level of... Um, we never want to put ourselves on a different level, right? Whether right. it's intelligence or communication wise, but also just at the core of it, as you mentioned, it's just like, if they come in and they can't understand what we're selling and what we're doing, right. they're, they're never going to make that call or initiate that transaction to, to go into business. People don't move into a fog. I'll often, when I'm training clients on this, I'll bring up the old days when I was teaching people to run waterfalls. You know, and as a, as a, as a young guide, um, coming out to, to run, uh, rivers with folks, I would, I would want to reassure them that I knew what I was talking about, you know, cause I was too young to possibly get them safely down this river. And so I would cruise up next to them and I would say, Oh, you know, we're going to, we're going to run this waterfall down there. It's going to be super fun. And I would go about you know, naming every little detail, like we're going to go just to the left of that rock. And there's that little microcurrent that's going to take us to the right. <laughs> and then when you get over to that eddy, we're, we're going we're to be right at the top of the waterfall. You want to go off the right side of the waterfall with left angle on your boat. And when you land, paddle down, and I'll meet you on the left-hand side. It's going to be super fun. Trust me. And I'd, I'd paddle off and there'd be, look back and they'd be gone. <laughs> they're still like clinging to the rock. No chance they're going to move forward, right? It's just... Yeah. It's too complex. It was too confusing. There's too many details like that. You said at least three terms in there that I'm not sure what that really means. They're not going to move forward. It's scary, right? Like whether you're selling a product or selling a team member on an idea or selling your spouse on what movie to go see tonight or which restaurant to go to or selling your kid on doing their chores, we have to re really make it clear and simple and, and have the plan. So I learned a little bit like later on in life when I was a little bit more of a, a of a sort of seasoned veteran guide, I'd cruise up on the, above that same waterfall and I'd say, Hey, Brad, we're going to run this waterfall. It's going to be super great. We're going to go left at the top. We're going to go off the right side. I'll meet you in the eddy on the left. Ready? Here we go. And I'd head off and you know what? They'd be right behind me, Brad. You'd be right behind me. You'd be, your eyes would still be huge, but you'd be right behind me paddling off that waterfall because it was clear. There was three easy steps that created a plan and there was no ambiguity about what I needed to do to move forward. So do you feel like you have a cheat sheet being that you were a guide on the kayak and now you're taking that same analogy and understanding, you know, being the guide to us business owners? A cheat sheet, a little bit. I mean, I got trained uh, with, by the, the harshest instructor out there, Mother Nature. And when you get it wrong out there, you, you feel <laughs> the consequences. The feedback loop is, is apparent um, and, and vicious sometimes. So, um, there is a little bit of that, but I think there's just, um, a passion for me to be in that space of decision and to be, uh, able to help people with that story that empowers action. And it's the same thing, whether it's marketing or leadership or guiding people down the river, it's how do we frame the story so that they are able to take action at the end of the day, that's the only thing that actually matters. And that's the only thing that moves our businesses forward is, is action. And so if we can, whether it's telling ourselves the right story around the next piece of action you need to take in your business or telling your, your customer the right story, these things are powerful. So we need to be authentic and real with them. Otherwise we're just manipulating people. 
Um, but I think that's what really excites me about all of these things and the common thread that brings it all together. Now, when you think about the clientele you've had over the years, um, mm. hopefully I wasn't difficult. You never know, but you know, as you're working with different clients, okay. um, how, how, how do you maneuver that difficulty of trying to get on the same page to understand pain points, to understand the messaging, to understand their education, the guide, do you ever have this tug and pull of what was they're working through a rebrand or remessage? Is there ever opposition or headbutting on essentially the messaging? Oh, completely. <clears throat> yeah, no. Um, and, and just to, just to make it official, no, Brad, you're, you're, you're not a difficult client. I, I probably wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, uh, um, you know, have, have any, yeah, any moment there where I felt, uh, to, to, to challenge, but I think that the, um, the real, um, the real thing that you run into doing this work is in that, that well-worn path that people and companies have that tendency to want to show up and be the center of the story. Uh, and there's a lot of different ideas and thoughts about marketing and messaging out there. And so my, my biggest challenge is, is usually when there is a, uh, a, a creative dispute uh, with an internal team that ends up uh, being so close to it. They have that embedded curse of knowledge. They have that embedded path of showing up and trying to sort of big themselves up and be and show up as the best possible company uh, that it, it can be hard to see the, the forest for the trees, so to speak. You can get too close to it. And that's where really having somebody from the outside that has that different perspective will allow that that shift and that potentially huge paradigm shift of how they should be showing up in the story. When you're when you sort of see the story from that one perspective, it's really tough to make those changes. And there's a lot of habits ingrained in there. So I'd say that'd be the biggest challenge is really helping them see past that curse of knowledge, see the story from a little bit different perspective and and be willing to make some of those changes that let's face it, it's risky. It's investment. It's money, it's resources that could go to something else. And when you've been doing something the same way for a long time as an internal team, it can be scary to shift it. As you look at this, you know, with the story messaging, <clears throat> a lot of this is focused on, on a couple of things. We mentioned the website, right? As you're rebranding yeah. the website and you want to catch people's attention right away. Pretty straightforward. Podcasts, similar. Like you worked with me on the imaging, the colors, the yep. messaging, every, everything as far as what the podcast is now, the Brad Levitt podcast as opposed to AFT Construction. What are other channels? How how you know, for a lot of us that are using social media yeah. and other ways to advertise to our clients, how can we utilize that same story and messaging in other platforms as opposed mm -hmm. to maybe something that's a little bit, I don't want to say low hanging fruit, but a lot of us understand the website and, and mm -hmm. when you have something that's maybe less attention span. Yeah. Um, that's the beauty of having this framework that we call creating a brand script. And so once you have that framework and you have that underlying structure, sort of skeleton of the story, we talk about it. So it's uh, like chords on a, on a guitar. Once you learn a range of these chords, you can start to arrange them in different ways to create some pretty beautiful music and, and, and music that draws masses. And what that means is really being able to um, break down this brand script, which every story has seven key parts. There's these seven key parts of the story that exist in almost every story, especially any good story that, uh, that people will revere and tell over and over. There's that, that character. That character is the hero, and they always run into a problem. That problem exists, and they can't solve it themselves. The storyteller introduces that guide character. So there's a guide section of the story. That guide is going to offer a plan. Hopefully in three clear steps, you can go off that waterfall, take that action. Uh, and that guide's job is to call their hero to action. So the call to action is a key piece of this, whether it's a website or a social media post or an email, a sales email to a client, maybe it's the end of a proposal. Um, so many folks forget to actually call them to action. What do you want them to do? Like tell them exactly what you want them to do. Uh, you have also this uh, job of a guide is framing the stakes. What does life look like on the other side of this positive step? And what are you risking if you don't take it? Those two key ends of the story. All of it is really always about how the character transforms. How does that hero change? That's one of the beautiful things about business is that it's really just a vehicle for change, right? That running a river, running a business, both of them will transform who you are and you get to decide how that works. But those, those seven key parts, if you can get that down for your business, if you can understand your client hero, you get their problem, 
you really offer them a, uh, a guide that has a plan and can call them to action and frame those stakes, you're going to have something that you can use formulaically without feeling like a formula to get to the core heart of the story. In fact, we argue if you haven't been speaking from one of those seven pieces of the story in your social media posts or in your podcast episode, then no one's listening. You That's have to be squarely in one of those seven spaces. So, so that might those- be like a, so a social media post, right? Like you could do an, an empathy social media post that's drawing from here's the guide section and we're going to draw on empathy. And you could talk about how you had this exact problem of a client, you know, in, in my, in my first house, I had this issue or in my, in my first business, I ran into this thing and tell the funny story about how you screwed up because that makes you empathetic and positions you as a good, good guide. And, and then uh, you could pop in a call to action at the end. So you're grabbing two pieces of your brand script of those seven, using them in a social media post, done in five minutes, off it goes. Oh, that's such a good breakdown. The reason is, Paul, is I was thinking through this, as, as you mentioned, the brand script. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense on a website. It's a little bit longer form. You know, there's a lot of different ways to create the messaging. And right. as you mentioned, downloadable brochure, this is really going to help paint the picture of mm-hmm. being the guide and, you know, information to get through this journey and this. Yeah, uh, yeah this journey you have, right? This, this, this trial, if you will. Um, but I think it's fascinating as you break that down for social media, because, you know, as you think about like a call to action and earlier on, you mentioned, Hey, you know, you don't want to position yourself as the hero, like, Hey, call me, I'm this expert or whatever. Right. Right. And you don't want it to where you're confusing, but there are calls to action and there's pain Mm -hmm. points that are part of this brand script and there's problems that come up for the customer. And essentially we can find ways to answer that with the messaging and the content and the videos or photos. And then that's a way that we're essentially building that audience so that people are listening. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it works for a social media post. It works for a corporate speech. If you're building an email to, uh, as a memo, you can, you can break it down in this exact same formula that is, it, it grabs people's attention. We spend 30% of our day daydreaming just on average. And you throw people in a dark room and throw a movie on, and you've got them locked in for a couple hours because it's, it, it's wielding that power of story. And so that's what we need to do is wield that same formula in this way for all the communication that we're really using, whether it's in a sales context, <clears throat> sales, leadership, marketing, it all is going to apply and have that, that universal truth underneath it. So looking at the, pod, uh, the podcast rebrand um, was, was no exception to that. And moving forward, as you look at the next episode description you write or the next post you put out about, you know, it could be five, six, seven guests from now, tying that back to the original messaging and the original brand script becomes so much easier to create that copy. And if you need to hand that to a contractor or you need to take it to a web developer or a videographer or somebody else to make marketing collateral, you can hand them that brand script as well. And then that's going to assure that you have continuity in your messaging. It's going to sound like you. It's going to look like you. It's going to, it's going to be you because they have the core sort of blueprint of what your messaging needs to be. So what keeps you up at night? What stresses you out, Paul? (laughs) So my stresses come of course from um, really imagining, uh, you know, solutions for clients. I, for me, I, I, I do my best to not ride the roller coaster. And what I mean by that is as a coach, it's, it's really important to be able to appreciate client successes, but always knowing that those are their successes. And if I'm going to ride those highs, then I, I'll end up riding the same lows when they have challenges and when they have failures. And when we are pushing the limits of what we're capable of and we're trying new things that nobody's done before, we're going to have failures. And so my challenge is continuing to not ride that roller coaster with the client, but still be at their side, kind of be that, that um, moderating force in their world and clear-eyed perspective to be able to answer and ask those questions and get to the root of what's really going on. And it's, it's impossible for me to do that if I'm riding that roller coaster. And so for me, it is um, separating those, uh, those wins and losses and realizing that those are theirs and their outcomes based on, on their actions. And I can only do so much to help. So I end up caring. I have a lot of that empathy and a lot of care and passion for my clients. And often that's what keeps me up at night is the same thing, keeping them up at night. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm sure, especially as you get into the brand script and working with clients, you know, there's an emotional connection, a human yeah. connection there that you really 
feeling their business? How can we rebrand it? And I'd imagine that, I don't want to say it puts pressure on, but like anybody, you want to yeah. perform. Like you're a professional yep. athlete. You want to perform when, yeah. you know, you're called up and now you're being hired to essentially help someone broadcast their message. That's what I love about the sport of kayaking and I love about <laughs> business is uh, you either get the results or you don't. And the uh, the outcomes are really clear and immediate uh, often if you're measuring the right things. And um, and that's that is uh, it's intimidating at times, um, but we're right there, we're right there with our clients. We understand how it goes and and continue to progress and push ourselves and to learn new things and to do better as well so being right in that same space of continual improvement is uh, is what keeps me going and and i don't know that i would be interested without that emotional investment i don't know that it would be as fulfilling without that and so i remind myself of that as i'm feeling stressed out or staying up at late late at night is that's that's part of what makes it worth doing that's just you're you're you're, you're feeling the purpose and if you weren't feeling that then you're not really working in your purpose well, what's the risk if you don't have that adrenaline, right? That um, essentially, like you mentioned, that risk, um, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine part of that not only um, gives you passion and satisfaction and you know your daily role, right? Like work work consumes most of our lives for all of us. And so yeah. if you're not passionate about it, it's really hard to be motivated. And then another aspect of that, I would imagine that it also keeps you on your toes, right? To continue to, to educate yourself, to continue to push yourself and which is going to make you a better coach in the long run anyways. Oh, absolutely. But I love to talk about uh, work-life balance being a cruel myth, especially for the entrepreneur <laughs> and the business right. owner, um, because they're not separate. It's not work. Like, like back in the old days, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd pull the, the uh, whistle at the factory and you'd go home and it would be, that'd be that there'd be a complete separation of work and life. And then we talk about this balance balance is so tenuous and as we know as things grow and change they're anything but balanced i don't know if you've seen a teenager try to try to run <laughs> i have three um, of them <laughs> oh my gosh right there's there, there nothing's in balance right but it's necessary for growth to be out of balance sometimes but if it's if the goal is work-life balance sometimes it can feel like a failure when things aren't in balance when really it means we're growing and changing and so i like to talk a lot more about work-life integration what, what can we do to make successful work-life integration in this world? Because the reality is they're not separate. We have calls at all hours. There's, there's demands of us all the time. And there's moments where we do get to integrate our life and have, have our kid come to work or be able to take an afternoon off to go to see them graduate or whatever it is. Um, and to be able to really spend that time and make those decisions, it's about having the successful integration as the goal as opposed to this ominous never quite there in balance sort of state and so i like to beat back against that myth a little bit and and sort of just offer an alternative slight mind shift uh, around that to, to have us all aspiring to a better work-life integration well i'm gonna say that i have to steal that work-life integration from you paul i think that's I'll fantastic and and the reason i say that is because i was thinking about just our experience working together on the rebrand Sure. And for those listening, there was, um, you were camping or something. Cause you sent me a message. It was late in the day. It was pretty late. And then there was like a picture of a campfire and you're like, Hey, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be spending some time with the family and we're out yeah. here. You got the campfire going. And so essentially you're, you're working, you're still messaging me, but at the same time saying, Hey, Brad, get a hint. Like I'm going to have some personal time now. So it's about the, it's about being able to outline those, those clear sort of, uh, boundaries and a lot of that gets thrown around a lot but it's just communicating just being honest and clear about it like i am there for my clients and and i'm quite present at all times um, but when i'm not i'm not and as long as you communicate those things and you set people's expectations and then you exceed them you're not going to go wrong and so i think that a lot of the time uh, this this comes home to roost with the family and the kids and, and, and wife as well. And, and having shared integrated work-life goals, are they in this mission with you? Are they down with that plan? Do they understand when you need to take that call? Because they know ultimately you're working towards the same story. You're working towards the same goals and have that, that, that space and trust to know that when it is time, you're going to be able to tell that client, I'll check back within you in, in 12 hours. I'm going to be out and, and have a, a reason for that. So communication, setting expectations, being really clear with it um, and having that successful integration really kind of stems from, from that on both sides of the equation for the clients, as well as kids, home life, 
ultimately, you know, being present for them um, is, is, is what truly matters. Um, and you can't be present for them and take them on amazing adventures unless you're also there for clients. And so it's a balance there that is best done through integration. So uh, best, adv- best advice you've been given? Best advice I've been given. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try to tie this back a little bit. Um, one is to be the guide, but I think that's just, I think we beat that into submission throughout <laughs> the whole, the whole podcast. So, um, alternatively to that, um, it's going to be to, uh, ask the right questions. And for me, I think a lot of times I thought I had to show up with all the right answers and to, and this is in life and in business. Um, but really the, the power comes from in asking the right questions. And a lot of times that means you're going to be talking about the substantive things. It's going to mean that you're really impacting somebody on a deeper level. It means you're going to truly understand the situation you're in. Um, but taking the time to ask really, really good questions. And I, I, I got that advice through just shared and, and watching my, my wife do that very thing. I would come out of the, the bathroom. Maybe I would be hanging out with a friend I'd known for 20 years and I would have excused myself for two seconds. I'd come back and they would be sharing a story with her that I'd never heard anybody share before that I'd ne- I knew something I'd never knew about that friend I had for 20 years just because she just asked the right questions. So in that, I just try to be like my wife whenever I can. <laughs> I think that's good advice for all of us. Right. But yeah. I, I, I do like to ask the questions because to that point, I think, as I look back on my career and some of the most savvy, intelligent people I've been around, they are the ones that speak the least, they ask the most questions. They're very curious. Right. And curious, yeah. you know, I've had, yeah, I've had some, some clients that are very curious too, that ask questions. And it's, you know, when you have someone essentially speaking or communicating at that level, um, again, it allows you or I to be more vulnerable to share things. As you mentioned, they, mm-hmm. you know, your friend shared something they'd never shared. Well, they probably identified that your wife's like listening and cares and it's not, Hey, I want to know. Cause I want to know, but I want to know cause I care. And yeah. you know, there's, there's a difference there, right. In that human interaction. Yep. That's so true. It's so true. And I think we can all take a little more time to, to dive into the, the humanness of those interactions and to get into those internal sort of uh, issues and, and, and yep. Talk feelings. That's right. We're talking about it. Talk feelings out there. Um, that's in, in, in leadership that's in with, with our clients and those interactions with our v- vendors, uh, and, uh, and, and we're kind of moving through the space in a more coach like way. All the best coaches ask all the best questions. And uh, I think if we approach things in that sort of space and try to continue to look at the world around us and the people in it as they're all heroes and we can help them win their, their day and win their hero journey. What, what an amazing world that would be if everybody sort of took that role as much as possible with those around them. So what's upcoming and exciting for you, Paul? Oh my gosh. Well, I am, uh, I'm, I'm really excited for a couple uh, group trainings that we have put together for um, some clients that are really using the power of story for the purpose of sales. A lot of times people feel really icky, like they need to take a shower after they get done with a, phone, a sales conversation. <laughs> and I think that that is something that we can alleviate people with. So we're doing some group uh, trainings and some skill uh, workshops around uh, using stories for selling without feeling salesy. Um, so I'm excited to do that. I always love group work. The dynamic around that is always really fun because you just have so much cross-pollination of ideas and, and so much energy around that and, and shared experience there. So we're really excited for that. And uh, and really just kind of getting through the uh, end of the year, um, hitting some of those goals that we've set last year with clients and we're looking forward into uh, Q1 of the next year. It's always an exciting time for coaching and for really bringing uh, new projects into the world, be it new uh, podcast brands or uh, new businesses altogether. Really looking forward to that push at the beginning of the year where people are embarking on the new things. What do you do for fun? Ooh, I still go kayaking and uh, I do that for myself for fun, but have a, a six-year-old and almost nine-year-old that um, we go out paddling and uh, hanging out on the river. We live right on a beautiful river in Washington state 
And so being able to get those guys out in their, in their backyard and exploring the rapids and sharing some of those life lessons via the river uh, with them is one of my favorite things to do. And then I'll, I try to keep up with them on the bike trails as well. So getting outside, playing, and uh, just sharing adventures together. Oh, that's incredible. And Paul, again, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And for those listening, I mean, Paul, um, you know, touched on, you know, just a few things here about, you know, the brand script and messaging, but I can tell you just having worked with you twice now on the website and the podcast, um, he, he knows this stuff. Paul does a phenomenal job, um, extremely competitive and in, in many ways. Right. And, and I think the value is there and I think you showcased that in the episode. So I can't thank you enough for helping me with my rebrand, helping us, you know, launch the Brad Levitt podcast. And of course, uh, making time to join us today. Hey, you're very welcome. If you uh, need anything at all or have any uh, questions, jump over to uh, tributarycoaching.com. There's a marketing assessment there and you can jump on a free consultation. We can take a look at messaging, website, whatever it is that you're looking to do. Happy to help. And so outside of tributarycoaching.com, where else can they find you? Um, on uh, pretty much any social media platform that seems relevant today, um, be that... Uh, <laughs> LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or, uh, or uh, what was Twitter. Um, any of those are, are great spots, YouTube as well. Um, but uh, yeah, tributarycoaching.com will get you there. Amazing, Paul. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the chance to uh, share with your audience. Congrats on the new podcast. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes. Please share those as well. Again, subscribe. Make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.